Amen, guys. Well, uh, well, I guess I don't really need it, huh? No. Let's go to God in a word of prayer. Amen? Amen. Amen. Our Father God, we come before you, God, very grateful to uh, be alive this morning. Yeah. Very grateful for this opportunity to come together to worship you and to sing to you and to fellowship with one another. Father, we pray for this time as your word speaks to us that we will allow our hearts to be soft and be inspired by your commands, by your challenges, but also through the hope and the love and the faith that the word provides. Father, we pray for an incredible day today. We love you. It's in your son's name, Jesus. We pray these things. Amen. 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 Well, last week, if you remember, uh, we, we talked about some of the promises of God. And we were reminded of Joshua chapter 1 when God tells Joshua and all of his people, I will give you every place you set your foot. And of course, this was an impossible feat as the promised land had already been fully inhabited by all the enemy nations. I mean, the Israelites were completely outnumbered. They were also uh, out-experienced, and of course the enemies were full of skill and weaponry, and yet their challenge was our challenge. That is to believe in the miracles of God. Yes. That is to believe in the scriptures, and to believe in what God says is going to happen will happen. Yeah. You know, we live in a world where people really do believe once they've already seen. And this concept of seeing to believing is really what people live their lives by. And you see Jesus teach against that in John chapter 8 and verse 31 and 32. It says to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus says, if you hold to my teaching, then you're really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You see, we, we, we function in a world where we say, Jesus, well, set me free and then I'll know that you're the truth and right. decide to hold to your teachings. Right. Come on. And yet Jesus says, no, if you're going to follow me, you need to live by faith, not by sight. That's right. So the title of our message this morning is Believe and See. Right. You know, as we read through the Bible, we see that their struggle is our struggle. That the fight that we fight on a daily basis is to believe in the unseen. In fact, this is humanity's greatest battle that we do fight. In John chapter 4, verse 48, Jesus says, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will never believe. You know, the generation that we live in, of course, has this same struggle where they want to see God in the flesh before they decide to give him all of their hearts. But then in John chapter 6 and verse 36, Jesus says, you have seen me, and yet you still do not believe. And so here Jesus is doing the miracles, doing the wonders, showing them I'm God in the flesh, and yet people still refuse to believe. In Mark chapter 16, verse 11, it says, when they heard Jesus was alive after the resurrection, and that she had seen him, meaning Mary, they still did not believe it. So where does this come from? What is the major struggle, the battle that we all fight? I think Jesus makes it very clear in Mark chapter 16, verse 14. It says, later, Jesus appeared to the eleven as they were eating. He rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he had risen. 
What's the challenge? The challenge is deciding to believe. Why do people refuse to believe? I mean, the 11 here in Mark 16, they had already seen Jesus, and yet they still had in their hearts a stubborn refusal to believe. You know, what this tells us is that if we can refuse, then the contrary is also right. We can choose to believe. Choose to see. Point number one, do not refuse. Choose to believe. Our greatest battle is also our greatest victory, and that is to believe in the unseen. Please look over in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul writes to the church in Corinth here, in verse 6, Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are home in the body, we are away from the Lord. We live by faith, not by sight. We are confident. I say, and I would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Can you relate? I mean, do you ever have these sort of days where you're like, I would prefer to just be in heaven already. You're like, you know what? I, 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 I'm, I understand that I need to live this life, and I understand that I have this body, and I have these responsibilities, but man, if I could just already be in heaven, that would just be awesome. That's right, bro. I mean, I would just prefer that I don't even have to finish school, I can just go up to heaven. I would just prefer I don't have to worry about saving for retirement, I can just go up to heaven. I don't have to worry about am I going to get married or not, I can just go up to heaven. I don't have to worry about, am I going to have another kid unexpectedly or not? I can just go up to heaven. And he goes, listen, that's my heart. I would just prefer to just go to heaven already. And I know we can all relate to that. Verse 9. So we make it our goal to please him. Is that your goal in life? I mean, is that your number one goal in life? Come on, I just want to please God. Hey, what are your goals for 2019? I just want to please God. <laughs> what are the goals that you have in your marriage here? I just want to please God. <clears throat> How about in your parenting? What's your goal in your parenting? I just want to please God. You see, that's the heart of someone that fully believes. Right. They go, I, I just want to please God. I know this is all temporary. So while I'm here, I just want to make it my point to please God. Whether we are at home in the body or away from it, yes. for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, mm. that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Mm. Now, this is not a weighing out of good and bad. It's just saying someday you're going to stand before God, and he knows all the good and all the bad that you've done. Yeah. You know, uh, this past week, I, uh, this Wednesday, actually, I had an appointment downtown at the courthouse. And, um, you know, they got those, uh, those cameras all over the city that will just kind of catch you going a little too fast. Yeah. <laughs> and so early December of last year, I was taking my son to go see The Grinch in the theaters with, his, with, our, with my in-laws, um, with his grandparents. And uh, on our way, I was going a little too fast. I confess to all of you today. I was uh, going 27 in a 20. And one of those cameras on the side of the road just caught me. I mean, you, you, can't, you can't get your way out of that one. I mean, there's just no wiggling out of the, well, I didn't really, really like, no, we, we caught you. And I go into the courtroom, and of course he's got, you know, the ticket there. 
Uh, but then he said, we also caught you on video. And yeah. he shows me the whole video of my car going by, and there I am, you know. <laughs> a little too fast. There's just no getting out of it, you know. And, and I tell him, you know, listen, $259 is pretty steep for me. Um, I, can't, I, I can't afford $259. And he goes, well, uh, you know, and he, he goes on and on, you know, and he, he gives me this long lecture about why it's wrong to speed. And, and I just shake my head and I go, yes, I agree. I shouldn't have done that. I'm very wrong. And he ends up lowering the, the ticket down to the minimal fine. Um, but, you know, there was just no getting out of it. Uh, and, and that's going to be judgment day for all of us. Wow. There's just no getting out of it. There's no excusing it away. There's no, well, I got to bring my kids to the Grinch. I mean, I had really great intentions. I'm going to go spend some time with my in-laws and trying to build that relationship. No, there, there are going to be no good excuses, no, no good reasoning behind why you did what you did. Right. And there's really nothing so good about the things that you did that were so good that it's going to outweigh any of the bad that you did. Right. So it's just going to be laid plain right before God. He yeah. sees your attitude. He sees your heart. He sees how you think. He sees your actions. He sees your intentions. He sees everything. Mm-hmm. And so the Bible says someday on Judgment Day, we're going to stand there and Jesus is going to be on the judgment seat. He's the standard. Right. And everything's going to be made very plain wow. right before mm-hmm. us. All the good and all the bad. Mm-hmm. Now, I think that's got to do a couple things for us. Number one, I think appropriately so, it should... Put a little fire and inspiration for us to do a little more good. Absolutely. And at the same time, I think it should really put a little fear in us from doing any of the bad that we're doing. And you go, well, what's good and what's bad? Isn't it relative? (coughs) Not really. The Bible says in Romans that God has written his word on a tablet of your your heart. And that has given every single human being a conscience. You know the difference between right and wrong. And so you get to choose to believe in the Bible or not. You get to choose to follow your conscience or not. And judgment day is coming. And you know, some of us go, well, you know what? I'm kind of on this bad path. I wish Jesus would just come back already. And we can just get this thing over with. But I think that inside of us, we do need to understand on a spiritual level that this is not going to be a pretty day. In fact, I studied out Amos this past week, and the Bible says that Judgment Day, when it comes, it's going to be pitch black. I'm not really afraid of the dark, but I'll be afraid of that dark. (laughs) I mean, I'll be afraid of that dark. I mean, don't you remember when Jesus was hanging on the cross from noon to three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land? Not like God dimmed the light. It was pitch black. It was dark. This is a scary moment. And when the sun started shining again and the lights came back on, the centurions around Jesus were like, whoa. Surely he was the son of God. And you know, judgment day is coming. And I'm not trying to scare you, but I am. Because it's a real thing. And just trying to push off the fact that it's going to happen and just trying to ignore it doesn't mean it's not going to come. Yeah, exactly. You know, I think that we need to choose to believe a few things. And this list could be very extensive, but I'm just going to bring up a few things that I think that we can all choose to do today. Number one, I think we need to choose to believe that God exists. Mm -hmm. I mean, I look around and I can't believe when people don't believe in God. I I have a very hard time understanding how they can fathom for a moment that there is no God. Um, It was said to me when I was a, a child... That if, if someone takes a watch and smashes it, 
in a plastic bag and shakes it up, how long is it going to take before it becomes a watch again? <laughs> you guys are looking at me like I'm an idiot. That's, that's the point. That's the point. No one ever walks down the street, looks up at the architecture and goes, wow, that must have been a really amazing earthquake to create that building. <laughs> no one would ever believe that your house just grew out of the ground. And yet when we look at the world and we see how intricate it is and we know that the human body is still being researched by people all over the world that are far smarter than all of us, well, maybe not as smart as Shay, but they're far smarter than most of us. I mean, these guys, they still can't fully figure out how the body works. And they've been studying it for years. To me, maybe not to you, but to me, it takes a lot more faith to be an atheist than it does to be a Christian. Yeah. And people need to choose to believe in the existence of God. Yeah. When we lived in Syracuse a few years ago, I'll never forget this one church service where uh, the church was rather small at the point, maybe 60, 70 people. And um, we had some guests come out, and they sat right in the front row. And I'll never forget the guy, because he just kind of stood there with a <laughs> scowl on his face, his arms crossed, and did not look very happy. And as soon as church was done, he just kind of wandered over to the sidelines. I mean, he wasn't really interested in the fellowship. He just kind of wandered over. And, and his girlfriend, she was very bubbly and very out of herself. And so she was loving the fellowship. It was, it was really great. But he just kind of stood on the sidelines with this bad attitude. And I walked up to him, and I, I tried to break the ice. I like to think that I'm somewhat of a relatable guy. And so I tried to break the ice. I tried to have a conversation. He, he would not crack a smile. And, I, I mean, I was, I was trying so hard. You ever been there before? You're like, you're like, really want to get to know somebody, but it's just so challenging. They're just not letting you in. The walls are up. And, and so I'm talking to this guy, and he's just kind of looking at me like I'm wasting his time. He looks so annoyed. And I'm like, listen, man, we got to get together. Let's, let's hang out sometime and build a friendship. And, um, and so we did. And so we, we started hanging out. They started coming around church a little bit longer. And come to find out, he comes from a strong atheistic background. He grew up in Michigan, just like Aaron. Strong atheistic background. And was having just a hard time believing in God and believing in the existence of God. And... We started getting together, and before you know it, he starts growing in his faith. And it wasn't long before he decides, I'm going to become a Christian, yeah. ends up getting baptized. And God has really moved in his life in a great way. Yeah. Shortly after that, he was able to bring his girlfriend around and get her faith stronger. Nice. He baptized his girlfriend a couple weeks later. Oh, wow. And then shortly after that, uh, his girlfriend Sarah, his name's Tyler, his, his girlfriend Sarah, she reaches out to her sister who was currently at that moment going to school in uh, Michigan, and she was a manager at her job. She had a lot of things holding her back there in Michigan, and she goes, you, you gotta come visit. And so Jessica travels from Michigan to Syracuse, New York, and visits and, and enjoys the church service. She's, she's involved in a, a very expensive discipleship program through her church in Mich Michigan. She was paying over $5,000 a year for this discipleship program. And I say, well, listen, if you want, you can move here, and I'll teach you discipleship for free. <laughs> and we took her out for lunch, and we had a, a five-hour Bible study Sunday after church. The next day, we got together for another six hours, and then the next day for another two hours before she ended up going home. We challenged her. We said, Jess, you, you need to be radical here and become a real disciple. Yeah. Jessica quits her management position, moves out of her house, drops out of the discipleship program, moves to Syracuse, <coughs> becomes a disciple, and gets baptized. Wow. Wow. She, ends up, she 
ends up leaving Syracuse and ends up marrying this guy, Peter, and currently they lead our church in Gainesville, Florida. Tyler and Sarah end up getting married, and they move out to Boston. And just a couple weeks ago, uh, Tyler tried the trick on his sister that Sarah did on her sister. He goes, Lindsay, who was living in Michigan, you got to come visit Boston and see what, what we're doing out here. we got a good life going for us. And she didn't grow up with a Christian background, and so she comes out, and she visits they start studying the Bible after church, and after three days of Bible study, she decides, I'm going to move back here to Boston and become a disciple. She goes back home, gets her things, moves to Boston, and just this past weekend, she got baptized. Yeah. You know, it's really amazing how God can work when we choose to believe in him. Yeah. The second thing we need to choose to believe is the fact that we are all going to eventually reach judgment. And that is going to be intense, but we're not going to get into that because we just talked about that. And the third thing that we need to choose to believe is really to understand fully that we are not yet home. And I think this is very important because we can get so invested in our lives here on earth, and yet the Bible teaches you are not home yet. You can make your little dwellings here on earth and really focus on your life right now, but you are not home. This world is not your home. And so Jesus says you need to invest in eternal dwellings. You need to really focus on your relationship with God. Store up treasure in heaven. And then the world will start to make a little more sense. You know, one of my favorite movies uh, came out many years ago. It's called The Book of Eli. And I'm totally going to spoil it for you right now. I mean, if you haven't seen it by this point, it's your fault. You know, Eli uh, was this guy living in a post-apocalyptic world. The world is just devastated. Uh, you, you get the vibe that nuclear bombs just went off everywhere. And, and he's walking around, and he's got this giant sword. And if you're not good with a little violence, you probably don't want to see the movie. Um, I actually don't recommend our movies from the pulpit. So I'm saying right now, don't go see the movie, but let me spoil it for you. Um, you know, he says this quote at the beginning of the movie. He says, people had more than they needed. We had no idea what was precious and what wasn't. And of course, that led to the whole world destroying itself. And so he sets out on a journey, and you come to find out he's got a Bible in his backpack. And you get the vibe that it's the only Bible left in the world. And people are after him. They're trying to get a hold of the Bible. And so he sets out on this journey to find a place of solace for the Bible. He says, with all my heart and soul, I always believed that I'd find a place where this book belonged, where it was needed, but I haven't found it yet. And so he's on this road and he's fighting off bandits and dangerous gangs and it's a very treacherous path, but he eventually reaches the West Coast, I believe it was Alcatraz, and he says, I walk by faith, not by sight. And he arrives at this asylum and he lies down and he begins to quote the whole Bible from cover to cover. And then the camera zooms into his eyes and you realize he's been blind the entire movie. And he wasn't joking when he said, I live by faith, not by sight. And then the camera kind of pans out and he prays this prayer. And I'm not going to read the whole prayer, but he says, Dear Lord, thank you for giving me the strength and conviction to complete the task you've entrusted to me. 
And he continues to pray on and on and on. You know, for us, like Eli, like Paul, like the first century disciples, we need to choose to believe in the miracles of God. We live by faith, not by sight. Point number two, do not refuse, but choose to see. Look over in Matthew chapter 13. In Matthew 13, Jesus is about to get into a parable, and in verse 1 it says, At that same time, Jesus went out to the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds were around him that he got into a boat and sat in it, while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables. Now, a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. The idea is that Jesus would take something practical, something every day, and make it a spiritual lesson for all the people that are listening to him. And so he goes into a parable about a sower, a farmer that throws seed out into a field, and he's trying to raise up a crop. And we're not going to get into the parable, but after he gives the parable, in verse 11, he says this. He says, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and he who has an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For the people's heart has become callous. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might, have see, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and in turn, I would heal them. Wow. But blessed are you, your eyes, because they see, and your ears, because they hear. For I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous men long to see what you see, but did not see it. And to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. You know, you would think that when you have an experience, you can put your faith in that experience. But it's actually quite the opposite. That in order to have a godly experience, you need to put your faith into the fact that it's going to happen that way. And then you'll be able to see and you'll be able to believe. And that was the problem that Jesus was having here. With all of these people following him. As he's doing miracle after miracle. Changing life after life. He's doing all this stuff. And yet people were still refusing to believe. In other words. He, they see but they don't really see. Yes. They hear but they don't really hear. They don't fully perceive and understand. They're blinded by what's really going on. And he lays it out. He says their hearts have become callous. Their hearts are hard. Now I think we would all be very scared if you found out that your heart was physically getting hard because you understand that eventually it's going to stop beating and so you would rush to the hospital you get all the needs met that you needed be it medication be it surgery you would do whatever it took to make sure you keep a soft heart and yet how much more so spiritually we see we experience but we don't really get it We hear the message, but it's not really sinking in. You know, the world really hardens people. Yes, it is. I mean, it it hardens people. Your heart can get incredibly calloused without you even realizing it. I mean, the pain that comes from living in this world, 
I mean, the, the statistics of divorce and of suicide and how many of us know people that have been through traumatic situations or us ourselves went through traumatic situations. Yeah. The pain that's associated with that. Yeah. The callous of man's heart. Yes. The sadness that this world brings. The broken relationships. The challenges. The Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick. The things that we want so desperately in life and yet we don't get it in our hearts can become calloused. Yeah. The hopelessness. I mean, how many times do you want something and you just don't get what you want? It might be in a relationship. It might be through education. It might be something financially or something through your career. You really desperately want something, but you don't get it and you feel hopeless. How about the hypocrisy that calluses people's hearts? You know, I'd be willing to believe, but I see all of these fake examples, and I don't want to put my faith in something that's going to make me fake. I mean, they, they say that Christianity is the number one reason for atheism. Because so many people that have become atheists grew up in a Christian church. And the, the hypocrisy and the pain associated with that, they, they eventually hardened their heart and they turned away from God. Yeah. You know, verse 15, Jesus says, Their hearts become callous. They hardly hear with their ears. They've closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and in turn, I would heal them. You ever been in a fight with somebody, and you just close your eyes, or you just kind of block your ears, you're just, you just, you want to escape? Yeah. You ever been that way before? Yeah. You ever read a scripture, and you're like, oh man, I wish I didn't read that one today. <laughs> you ever hear a sermon, and you're like, oh, it's too intense for me, I'm not ready for this right now. <laughs> and you just wish that you could escape for just a moment, get in your own little bubble, and just ignore the facts, yeah. ignore the truth. And Jesus says, you know, we do that, spiritually speaking, we do that. And if only we would just open our ears and open our eyes and allow the message to come into our hearts and the truth to penetrate. And we let our walls down, our barriers down like Tyler did. Then eventually we would actually be in a position that we would be truly happy. And the Bible teaches in, in all throughout Psalm, but you will be blessed when you seek out with all your heart. We need to live by faith, not by sight. Jesus wants to heal us. You know, you have an option when you look at your life and you see the challenges, the, the challenges that you face. You have an option. And your mess can become your message. And your test be, can become your testimony. And so when we go through these challenges, when you do it with God, God will use it to make you even more powerful. You know, this past week, um, I've been continuing my workouts with James over here. And on Wednesday, not yet. Not like this you know, this past Wednesday, we had this workout, and he goes, oh, today's not going to be that bad. I go, great. That's, that's awesome. And he goes, we're going to do shoulder presses, and we're just going to do it 100 times. <laughs> I go, how much weight are we talking? And he said, we're going to take the 45-pound bar, and we'll put about 25 pounds on either side. You can do that, right? I go, uh, maybe a couple times. Let's see, let's see how it goes. And I, I get it up, and I, I, I go to about 20. And my shoulders are shot. And I, I go, James, I, I don't think I can do this. And he goes, okay. So he takes one of the weights off the end. And for the next set, I, I try it again. And I, I do maybe like four or five. 
I'm like, I'm, I'm so embarrassed to say I can't, I can't do it. And, and I was kind of hoping that he was going to give me like a break and say, okay, well, that's enough. You can just kind of, you know, don't, don't worry about hitting 100. We'll just stop at like 25. You're good. And he goes, okay, well, let me take a little more weight off. He takes a little more weight, and then I, I could barely do three. And then he takes all the weight out. He's like, just the bar. And I'm, I'm just trying to do the bar. And I do a few more, and then that's about it. I'm at, I'm at like 62 at this point, and I'm, I'm just finished. I'm like, James, I literally, I can't even lift my arm. I'm telling you, it's, this isn't a, a will thing. I, my physical body cannot physically do anything. I'm dead. And he goes, okay, I'll, let me give you a smaller bar. So he, oh, bro, smaller bar. And he throws the weights on the smaller bar. He said, this is about 10 pounds lighter. <laughs> you don't get it, dude. But I'm like, get this thing off. <laughs> He's like, you can do it. <laughs> and I'm at like 80, and I'm dead. I'm totally finished. He's been done with his workout for like five minutes. <laughs> and he goes, he goes, listen, Joel, let me, let me do this one with you. I go, I go, okay. So he gets his bar back, and we're looking at each other, and we're like, <laughs> so he ends up doing like 150. I hit like 99, 100, and I drop that thing. I'm done. That's it. Workout's over. And, um, and it, was, it was awesome. I texted him afterwards. I said, that was so inspiring. Thanks for doing my workout with me. And it's inspiring when you have someone that can inspire you and encourage you and keep you motivated. And, you know, we can stand up here all day and say, you need to choose to believe. You need to choose to see. But the reality is, I think all of us, we want to. I mean, that's why you're at church this morning. You do want to believe. You do want to see. But there's something blinding you, something hurting you. And you can cling to somebody here, even in this service today. Cling to somebody and say, listen, I want to believe. I want to see, but here are my challenges. Here are my challenges. I feel overwhelmed by school. I feel overwhelmed by my financial situation. I've got challenges at home. I've got challenges in my family. I'm struggling. I'm blinded. My ears are clogged. That reminds me of a story I'll tell you in just a minute. My ears are clogged. I I just, I, I, I want to. I just can't. I just can't. And, and we need somebody to do it with us. Yeah. You know what? Let's get together tomorrow morning. Let's pray together. Let's read our Bible together. Let's spend time. Let's, let's spend some time with God. Let's go on a prayer walk. You need someone to get in your corner with you yeah. and encourage you and inspire you. And when you have that, it takes away all the excuses. Yeah. And it allows you to do what God wants you to do. Amen. You know, in John chapter 4... You know, it's so exciting. Last year, we, um, um, Courtney and I, we were just thinking through the church and praying through the church and, you know, who's really suffering in their faith right now? Who needs help? And um, uh, the Kokoas came up. We love Hannah and Kaiser. We love them. We want to help them. And so I, I sent them a message and I said, let's get together. Let's talk. How can we help you? And we ended up meeting at this uh, coffee shop, and, and we just talked, and they were, they were hurting in their faith, and we found out why. It was because, you know, when they first moved here, they were excited. They, they were bringing all their family out to church. Their family members were studying the Bible. A lot of them were leaving their old lifestyles, trying to become Christians, and it was inspiring. But then one by one, the Bible studies fell off, and they felt like, wait, hold up. Like, I thought we're here to, to change our family. We, we don't feel used by God anymore. And I said, 
I said, that's the issue? Man, let's go after that. Starting next month, we're going to start a Bible talk at your house. I'm going to personally come down on Tuesday nights, and we're going to do a Bible study with all those people that are making excuses about why they can't drive up to Seattle. And so I drove down to White Center this past Tuesday, and we had a Bible study with, with the family members, and, and it was inspiring. It was awesome. We went around and said, by the end of 2019, what's a decision that you want to have made? And it gets to Aquila, and he goes, I want to study the Bible and get baptized. I mean, it was just an uproar. I mean, what? I mean, what? That's amazing. And it was so awesome. Last night, Danny and I drove down the White Center, or Burien, wherever we were, and um, we did the, the Seeking God study. And he goes, I want to seek out with all my heart. And we get to John chapter 4, and Danny pointed something out that I thought was very profound. In verse 23, and it's a scripture we've read a thousand times, but it says, Yet a time is coming, and has now come, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. And Danny pointed something out here that I've noticed a thousand times, but I've never really connected the dots. And the fact that every time it's talking about the worshipers, it's talking about them in a plural form. There are worshipers. They are the kind of worshipers that the Father seeks. God is spirit. His worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. Oh, wow. That's, that's so profound. Because God's vision and understanding is that we need to worship together. I mean, doing it individually is just not an option. And it, it now makes sense. The kingdom, the church, these are the plans of God. So that we can get someone in the gym with us and work out with us and help us get stronger spiritually. A couple days later, Jesse decided to join us in the gym. And if you know anything about Jesse, I think rambunctious is a good word for him. So we get in the gym, and, and James and I had already started our first set. James, uh, Jesse walks in, and James goes, Joel, you want to just restart? Okay, we need to restart. So I'm like, I didn't just hurt myself. And so James, or Jesse comes on in, and he's like, all right, what are we doing? And James is like, all right, first we're going to do a 150-meter row, then we're going to do uh, uh, 20 supermans in 30 seconds, and then we're going to do five wall climbs in 30 seconds, and then we're going to do um, a static planks for 45 seconds. And I'm like, all right, here we go. And Jesse's like, all right, no problem. And, you know, he goes from one to the next, and he gets to the wall climbs, and, and a wall climb is when you get in a push-up position with your feet against the wall, and you got to climb up the wall backwards to a handstand position, and then come back down, and then go back up, and do it five times, and Jesse's, like, fired up. He's going up the wall, coming down, doing extra push-ups, coming down, extra push-up, and about ten minutes into the workout, we're like, where's Jesse at? And James is like, he presses pause on our timer, and he's like, let's go find Jesse, make sure he's not passed out in the hallway. <laughs> and we go out there, and Jesse's like, <gasps> and like, dude, are you okay? He's like, I can't hear, my ears are like, I've never been so dizzy in my life. <laughs> like, all right, man, take some water and come, come rejoin us. <laughs> Sometimes our pride can get the best of us in <laughs> But, you know, it's, it's so encouraging when someone's doing it with you. And, of yes. course, Jesse came on in. He finished his workout. And uh, it was awesome. You know, there are guys in the Bible that can relate to you. 
And you may not understand this because you, you haven't fully read through the scriptures and, and read through some of these guys, but there's someone in the Bible that can personally relate to you on nearly every level. Yes. And for me, when I get down in the dumps, I go to David. Because yeah. I'm like, here's a hero in the faith that had some low lows. Mm -hmm. And David really writes some amazing right. psalms mm -hmm. that I find extremely encouraging. Mm -hmm. Do you ever feel... Like people are letting you down. Look over in Psalm 46. Psalm 46, verse 1. God is our refuge and strength. In ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Though the waters roar and foam. And the mountains quake with their surging. You know, God is our refuge. And in times when you feel like people are letting you down, the Bible says that God is ever-present. Yeah. And you can pray these prayers and draw near to God. Do you ever feel disappointed about where you're at in life? Look over in Psalm 34. Verse 17. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. A righteous man may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers them from them all. Yeah. Awesome. You know, if you're disappointed about where you're at in life, draw near to God. Yes. And he will come through for you. Do you ever feel like the government just can't be trusted and all the authority around you is corrupted? Look over in Psalm 26. Come on, come on, Verse 8. I love the house where you live, O Lord, the place where your glory dwells. Do not take, my so take away my soul along with sinners, my life with bloodthirsty men, and whose hands are wicked schemes, wow. whose right hands are full of bribes. But I lead a blameless life. Redeem me and be merciful to me. My feet stand on level ground. In the great assembly, I will praise the Lord. Amen. You know, if you ever feel like authority can't be trusted, you just focus on you. And your relationship with God and God will come through. Yes. Do you ever feel alone? Look over in Psalm 27, verse 10. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Chapter 25, verse 16. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. Chapter 68. Verse 5. Verse 4. Sing to God, sing praise to his name, extol him who rides on the clouds. His name is the Lord, and rejoice before him. A father to the fatherless, an offender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. He leads forth the prisoners with singing, but the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. You are never alone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Have you ever been waiting for a blessing and you've just been waiting for a long time? Psalm chapter 130. Over. Come on. Come on, Come on, Verse 5. This is awesome. Wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his word I put my hope. My soul waits for the Lord. More than watchmen wait for the morning. More than watchmen wait for the morning. You might be waiting a long time. But you put your hope in God. 
and God will come through. Chapter 27, verse 13. I am still confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. You know, guys, you may never be able to relate to everybody in this room or even somebody in this room, but God can always relate. And men in the Bible can always relate. In times of doubt, go to the Psalms and draw near to God. We need to pray these prayers so we can see God work. Do not put limits on your prayers, but pray, choose to believe, and choose to see. I want to close with some lyrics from the Prince of Egypt. Come on. And I'm not going to sing it. Sing it, bro. Come on, Joel. Many nights we prayed with no proof anyone could hear. In our hearts a hope for a song we barely understood. Now we are not afraid, although we know there's much to fear. We were moving mountains long before we knew we could. There can be miracles. When you believe, though hope is frail, it's hard to kill. Who knows what miracles you can achieve? When you believe, somehow you will. You will when you believe. In this time of fear, when prayer is so often proves in vain, hope seems like a summer bird too swiftly flown away. Yet now I'm standing here, my heart so full I can't explain. Seeking faith and speaking words I never thought I'd say. There can be miracles when you believe. The hope is frail, it's hard to kill. Who knows what miracles you can achieve? When you believe, somehow you will. You will when you believe. They don't always happen when you ask, and it's easy to give, it, give in to your fears. But when you're blinded by your pain, can't see the way, get through the rain. A small but still resilient voice says hope is very near. There can be miracles when you believe. Though hope is frail, it's hard to kill. Who knows what miracles you can achieve. When you believe, somehow you will, somehow you will. You will when you believe. Do not refuse, but choose to believe yeah. and to see and to God be all the glory. Amen. Yeah.